This is Kevin Mamba, and you listen to the Mike Sappho Podcast. Ndijo. From Zimbabwe? From Zimbabwe. To Canada? Mm-hmm. To sit in Simba's apartment. Kevin Mambo, this is like a downward spiral. What happened? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> from Zimbabwe to Canada. From Canada to Los, to Mont- uh, to, uh, Los Angeles. From okay. Los Angeles to New York. Then to Simba's apartment. Yeah, you know. So... Tell it, me about it the keeps f- driving. Back. It does. You, it's a spiral. You're going down, a down, down spiral. Down, 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 Let me down, hear about down, that down, fateful down, down. night that you meet Simba. Because I'll tell you what happened. I get a call from Simba yeah. at like four in the morning. Yeah. That's bad news when Simba yeah. calls at four. Yeah, it's always Kevin. And he's mumbling about Mambo Posting and Kevin. Bail. Yeah. <laughs> Four Ste- o'clock. Stealing pedicabs on 33rd you know Street. Yeah, yeah. All right, so tell me about this fateful encounter, how you meet Simba. So I'm in, I'm, uh, I'm at uh, downstairs, the nickel, minding my business, because that's my quiet hang, where I just mind my business. Okay. No one and no one's there, and it's fine. Simba comes in, you know, looking very consequential with his beard. You yes, know? Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, he's just very tough. <laughs> So he's sitting right next to me, by the way. And I don't know what the words were that happened. Something happened. There were, there were words. And all of a sudden, no, I think all of a sudden, maybe he was on the phone speaking in Chun. I was like, ah. This bearded fellow. Simba. <laughs> and, and then the nice thing is, you know, one of our favorite bartenders on there is Mike. Mm-hmm. Really nice guy from Nantucket who just like, it just takes care of everybody. And he was so freaked out because for the next hour, there was nothing in English. <laughs> not one word. No, you were excited. Not and many... he was like, we don't have Zims around like that. <laughs> Zims are unicorns. <laughs> you could, either Zims or Mozambiques, you're unicorns. Now, let me tell you about Zims. I meet Simba at a Kentucky bar. Okay. We stay friends. In we, Kentucky? No, no, in Jack Dempsey's on 33rd oh, yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah, Kentucky, yeah, yeah, we're Kentucky yeah, yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, he tells me from Zimbabwe. Yeah. And then maybe about four months later, I always I travel nonstop, trying to go to every country in the world. So I, I text him. I'm like, dude, it's Mike from the bar. Yeah. Let's link up. I want to go to Zimbabwe. Yeah. He's like, Mm-mm. I'm going to go there. It's been uh, three years. It's still, quotes, uh, in the process. Right. Do you go back to Zimbabwe at all? I go back to Zimbabwe. I don't go back as often as I can because okay. as an actor, like I got to really be on where I'm at. I can't. Get around and travel the way I want to, so I'll be going this year. Oh, when are but you going to go? I'm trying to go um, spring. Well, no, I can't go spring. Summertime. I'll be finishing a show at the end of summer, so I'll go then. And now, when you from Zimbabwe, you moved to Canada. What makes that family? Because that's a hell of a move, Zimbabwe up to Canada. What made that move happen? And Well, my parents were both in um, medicine. My mother studied in Scotland. She's a registered nurse. She's uh, she was a registered nurse. She was a midwife. Um, my father's a pathologist. Oh wow! Okay. So you meet her on the way in. You meet him on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> now it's not a wonder they didn't stay together. No, no. But it was like it was one of those things where they 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 made a really good decision. And I, and I have to say, man, I'm a very proud Canadian. Now, we just talked about hockey in a second, but now the diversity. Is there any diversity up there? Are you the it's only the most Afri- diverse place. What part of Canada is this? Anywhere. So being a, a, a family So when Africa, I was there in the 70s, you know, the late 70s. Yeah, yeah. This is shocking to me, by the way. There was not anybody like us. There's certainly no Zimbabweans. No, of course so not. So like, you know, my tribe, Shona, that's like the secret language in our house. But my friends would come over. My brother's friends would come over. And after a while, they would all have to learn to speak the language because my mother did not. Sp- my mother's English is perfect. Okay. But she made it a point to like give us that in the house. Really? That's so pretty So my friends, 
the Pakistanis, the Indians, the Dutch, the Chinese, the Norwegians, the Germans, they all learned a little bit if they wanted to eat. <laughs> and she was the best cook. So if they wanted to fucking if they wanted to eat and Dude, stay that's for dinner. Fascinating. They had to learn a little bit. And that was her mandate. Now let's fill in the dots. How do you get to LA? And the acting thing. You so I got- was, um, I uh, finished a boarding school in Canada, uh, got into, uh, got into all these universities, but I was like, I want to go to McGill, which is our Ivy League university. Mm-hmm. So on the first day of school, I called and I said, why didn't I get in? I just want to know. So the next year I can get in. Mm-hmm. They pulled on my application. They said, you should have got in. Do you want to come? I said, I'll come tomorrow. And so I came the next day with this one suitcase couch hopping and you know figured it all out in the end okay but it was like for me you know living in midwestern canada which is saskatchewan hick towns i finally found like the most cosmopolitan city in the world that's not new york and you loved it right away or no montreal new york paris the most cosmopolitan i'm going to paris in two days and i was also with one of the first kids in the first French immersion integration program for Anglophone kids in Canada. The first. Really? Yeah. So scientists were following us around all the time <laughs> just to see if it was going to work. It wasn't going to work. It worked, I guess. It, it's Your first thought of New York City when you get to the Big Apple the first time, first thing that goes through your mind? Noise. Were you overwhelmed? No. Did you like it? Yeah, I don't belong. I don't really, 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 really belong in Canada. I really belong in a beehive like this. Energy is my. I eat that. When you came to New York, what's your New York hangout? So my um, my very first time, really, really, really coming to New York. I mean, I had visited a few times, but my roommate um, is a film and television producer and writer, um, and he and I were roommates. And his folks are like my folks. They're like they're, they're my Jewish folks from Riverdale, and we're coming down at LaGuardia, and we're on the escalator. And Gene Wilder is on the escalator with his bodyguards, and he looks back and sees us and starts running. And I was like, no, welcome no. to New York. <laughs> That's your New York experience? That was my first New York experience. That's funny shit. Now, what about your first hangouts? You're, young, um, you're acting now in New York. Where are you hanging out? Um, I'm hanging out at, um, I was a DJ. Okay. So I'm hanging out at uh, Gaslight, oh. Sound Factory, um, Coney Island, Save the Robots. Now, what year was it? Were you a tunnel guy, limelight, or no? Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. From 95. Yes, yes. Like the the last of the era. Yes. I would go roller skating at the Roxy, the last of the New York era. And I just, I I feel bad for people who come here now because it's over. See, I remember. And they never got a chance to see culture in New York. Like, just culture. You don't, there was no, after that era, there was no. Loft parties in New York. Save the Robots was open from Friday until Monday. Um, I played at all the jazz clubs. I played jazz as well. I'm a deep house DJ. So then people never got to see. And the corporatization of New York has killed all the culture. That's a perfect word because you'd go into tunnel. I used tunnels as an example. And I wasn't a club guy. But I would go there because you would have... Black dudes here rapping in that you have room. The trannies in right next room. to you. Yeah, everyone in next that to you. Room. You'd have a gay couple. You have a hot couple. Every yeah. and there was no fighting. It was just wildness. Here you we all are. Together. Yeah, and and after that, now it's like okay, I'm rich. I'll go to this club. 
you're black, you go, this club, this is a gay club, the tunnel limelight, it was, everyone was just in there being and not outrageous. Not like, sound completely crazy, yeah. but there is a thing that happened um, that New York was, and, and you also had the East Village rent, was that time, yeah. oh, yes. where people were stealing electricity from bigger corporations and plugging it into their houses well, and squatting. About, well, yeah, besides the squatting, how about from the traffic lights outside? They'd plug in and, and just the houses get, would be lit. Yeah, the, the squatting I mean? houses would be lit. The corporatization of New York changed the culture completely. There was a time when we all were doing everything. And, and if that wasn't your scene, you could find your scene. There was always a scene. You could always. find your scene. It was, and it was a, there was no arguments and no it wasn't, fighting. It wasn't a segregated scene either. It was just like, we're in a club. We're all be here to- where you need to yes. be. And there's enough of this where you can just be See, where you need to be. You just nailed it. It was enough. If you ever want to go out, have a good time and hook up. So you, yeah. whoever you want to hook up with, that group, that group, that group, they're in the corner. Go to your group. You want to go to the Upper East Side? You, you yep. can do it. You want to go to the West Village and just like hang out with a bunch of dudes and like skinny little weird pants? You can do that thing. If you want to go to Harlem and have some jazz, you can do that thing. If you want to do a Deep House thing, you do that thing. If you want to go to the Bronx to an after hours place, please don't get shot. You could do that <laughs> thing. It didn't matter. Just be safe it up just there. Didn't, you know what I mean? It, just, it didn't matter because literally the root of what you were trying to find could be found. The root of it. Not just the getting there, but the root of what you were looking for could be found. And that ended, I think, in New York circa 99, 2000. But there's a very big corporatization that happens in New York. And like, so all these buildings where we had mom and pops and people that you know who are in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That knew you, you knew your mom, knew your dad. Yeah. And it could give you the, the, whatever it is that you needed. And you could have a conversation with people that you knew and their kids. And oh my God, like, I mean, I, I lived in Harlem for so many years. I watched a Chinese restaurant at the end of the jazz block. I watched the woman be pregnant and grow her kids for 10 years. I watched him get on a bicycle for the first time. You know what I mean? There was a, mm-hmm. So the relationships are very different. But now we have a corporatization in America that has um, bundling. And the bundling of toxic stock, which ended up killing 2008, is the same thing as the bundling of corporate stock in real estate. So you see these buildings and you go, there's nothing in the bottom of the building. That, mm-hmm. that space is empty, 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 empty. And it's just bundling of stock as real estate, and they write that off at the end. Yeah. So they don't care. So now America is becoming more homogeneous because of, the fa- because of commerce. That's, the- that's a really good outlook on it. You, That's you, and you nailed it because like let's be honest. I've been here for twenty five years, man. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say ten years ago in Brooklyn. You never see this ten years ago in Brooklyn. Never. But but the prototype didn't happen in Brooklyn. Brooklyn became the offshoot, mm-hmm. right? But the thing about Brooklyn, which is why the artists have now moved to Brooklyn, is because there are so many more places that are individually owned. So it's it's less easy to wash people out. Because you're not buying, you, you, you can't buy the whole block. You got to buy store, then store. By building, then, yeah. by building, by store, by store, right? But in Harlem, people, a lot of vendors were renting. So you just sell 10 buildings as a unit. And that's it. And then you, but, but, you, but, but, you, but then you take the equity of those 10 buildings, and now it's a stock. And then you give that to a hedge fund. And that hedge fund is running that stock. And that's what's changing all Harlem. It's changing everything. And now Seattle and Harlem and Oakland and Oklahoma and new almost new orleans it's all the same we've killed it new orleans that's going to be tough though they have such pride down there too you hope that doesn't happen yeah, down there yeah but it's just it's a corporate thing 
I was just down there. I mean, I, I, I'd be living there. But it's a corporate thing. It's not. It doesn't have anything to do with the people. It literally is a corporate thing. A hedge fund has no friends and no enemies. A hedge fund has numbers and, and they don't bundles care about colors. As and stock. Green, as long as it's green, they don't get. They don't care who the fuck you are. They don't actually care. But when when a stockholder mm-hmm. looks at their <laughs> portfolio, that's what it looks like. And they don't. They don't. You think they give a shit? They are literally just looking at numbers across the table. There, there's no cultural. And to me, this is the death of progressive American culture. And yet progressive American culture was a progressive driver of culture globally. We do hip hop in South Korea. <laughs> we have... South, well, it, we Japan, have South Korean R and B bands. I was, I was just in Japan. It's hip hop, and that's all it is. It's rap. They love the rap. They it's, love it. This I'm, is the place. Yeah. But but not here. It's not. But we're out of balance, yeah. though, because we're out of balance. Because yeah, Japan likes hip hop, but who is actually going to discuss the topics of free labor? Oh no, they don't. No, we don't. Come on. So that is like. Outside of it's the original model of free labor, which built this thing, and no borders and no national enemies on any border, so you have to behave mm-hmm. to somebody, right? I mean, we're signing the Emancipation Proclamation. The president has slaves in Haiti. Haiti got free because they gave too many slaves machetes. <laughs> and they took over. That's and they it. were like, yeah. they took over. And then they went they to New were, Orleans, yeah. and they went to New Orleans to try to figure out how to like really stench that shit, and that's the birth of jazz. So... Pressure makes culture, but corporatization kills culture. And you're a jazz guy too? Yeah. Big music guy. Big music guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acting's the first love though, music. Well, I work a lot with Bruce Hornsby. He's a good friend of mine. Okay. And he's always like, yeah, man, you know, you're, 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 you're a musician that makes money as an actor. That's always his big get. Is that your heart though? Yeah. He's Is right. it? He's right. You, don't, you love acting now or no? I do. I got to ask you a question now. IMDB, I look at you up. You are on Family Matters. How hot was Laura Winslow? I had the biggest crush on her. Truthfully, don't lie to me. Probably one of the worst people I worked with. Oh, you just ruined one of my childhood fantasy. Why? I'm in the middle of my sophomore year. I'm okay, trying to okay. write three papers. And she was like, I got to kiss everybody that comes on this show. Because it's always like a prototype for a boyfriend for her. Of course. So it's an episode where I'm like in a Toyota truck. <laughs> that we're in the drive-in. She's not getting giving it up or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I say something to her and she's like I'm not gonna stay for that and then she leaves the truck and I drive off into the distance but in the meantime I was sitting there doing three papers at the same time okay okay and it's like I don't wanna kiss you I said I'm gonna kiss you either I'd rather be at school <laughs> I'd rather finish this work before I gotta go on and do other things you are not that big thing Michelle Williams was the best. Really? She was the best. Now I'm going to have to the go kindest, back. The really? kindest. Urkel's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. The kindest, sweetest, the kindest. Okay, now what? And Penjar is her mom. Mm-hmm. So we've all kind of stayed in touch. Oh, that's bit. wild. Yeah. Now, because I was looking at you, because I'm not a movie guy, not a TV guy. All I watch is sports, okay? Sure. So Sim is like, oh, look, looked you up. Face looks familiar. But even sports. Well, when, when I want to ask you quick. Cause you, go ahead. You win two Emmys. Yeah. Did that just cat? Because you were young when you won. That just catapult your life. Did it open up a lot of doors? Not when you're black. No, it didn't open any doors. Man, first of all, I saw your speech. It was like 25 seconds. 
Oh my god, I haven't seen in a while. But <laughs> if, I mean, if I wasn't black, we'd be having this speech in my house in Lake Tahoe. Really? That big of a difference? Boom. Really? Real. Now, why is that? Let me because there's a lot of black actors out there. There's a lot of black actors out there, but we don't have any equity. We've only had equity for the last ten years. No, because daytime the Tyler souls. Perry's. <laughs> no, but right, the Tyler Perry's. This is us. Like some of the new, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 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 Queen Sugar. The, some of the new stuff. Duvernay, like some of the new stuff. Okay, sure, a little more equity, but not when I was coming up. Really? And there wasn't many blacks on daytime. When soap, I was right? coming up, we were all trying to be in menace to society, which sucks. Which you, which you don't want to be stereotyped that way. You want to do regular acting. You want to do all kinds of acting, but you want to be hired. Yeah, wow, that's wild. Doesn't you, matter what it is. Ultimately, in a lot of in a lot of ways, then you can start to shape your things. But they only allow one Samuel, one Denzel, one sure. Angela Bassett. One 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 one. That's a one Halley. You know, once I just said there's a lot of black actors, I can only name a few because right. I know the. F- that's wild. Now, how long I know thousands, of course, but they're not who are better than me. Yeah. Now, how how long were you on Guiding Light for? Uh, three years. You enjoyed it? For most of it, not all of it. And you got Emmy for two of those. Yeah, I got nominated all three years. Yeah. I won twice the first two years, but then they started being. Uh, we want lighter skinned black actors. We want Latino wow. actors, and they took me off the air. For most of the year. Now, when you win the Emmy, in your mind, do you think like, okay, this is it. Here's the catapult. I'm off. You just don't want to curse on stage at Radio City. (laughs) 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 I mean, that's that's where you're at. You know what I mean? You don't want to curse on stage at Radio City and make your mom mad because you're sitting in the audience. Now, then you go to Broadway. Yeah. Now, you said you're a musician in an actor's body. Yeah. So... Broadway's for you. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think the truth of the matter, and I don't mean to like disrespect anybody, is that commercial Broadway and artist Broadway are not the same things. You want to have more freedom, more artistic freedom, not just like just hey, just read this do, heavier, script. do heavier things, and and that's not the stuff that sells to more people. Especially if you're coming from Kansas in the middle of the oh, summer and you want to see a show. I mean, you, you nailed it because New Yorkers, you live here now, artistic people, and I don't want to say more intelligent, but you're going to get people, New York, LA, they want to see everything. They want to see the off Broadway. You're coming from Omaha, Nebraska. I want to go to 40th. I want to go to the. Yeah, I did Mormon dish, yeah. Uh, here. I did Mormon out in Los Angeles and on tour or whatever. Or Book of Mormon. Yeah. Um, but there's a very big difference between. Um, being laughed with and laughed at. And that's what audiences do. So you got to kind of make decisions about that, you know, in the end. Did you like doing Book of Mormon? For a while. But you feel that's commercial, like super commercialized it's Book of Mormon? the most commercial thing there is. And you I mean, think it, it looks like it isn't? Because it's Matt, Matt Stone and Trey Park. Did you meet you them? Think of, they took us to Casa Bonita. Mm. I mean, we How, wait, to, Were they awesome? Because those, those are, guys are so awesome. They seem so fucking cool, those two guys, man. They're so awesome. And their producers are awesome. They really took care of us. They really... They really took care of us and really gave us a lot of love. So I, I have no problems with those guys. But then you get to like, you know, the Boston Opera House or Rochester or Des Moines, Iowa. No and, interest, right? And No, no, no. People are laughing. But they're not laughing with you. Mm-hmm. Laughing at you. And so that is. A, That's demoralizing, too. You, this is your heart and soul, well, your you, career. It's eight days a week, man. You got to do eight shows a week. Oof. How long we did Book of Mormon for? A year. That's pretty cool. The Book of Mormon. Every night's packed. That's kind of cool shit, though. Sure. 
Trump could fill a ra- uh, rally every night's packed too. So that's not the for me. That's not the barometer, right? So what are you doing now? Um, a ton of music, literally a ton of music. Okay. Um, I'm working with Lynn Nottage, who's like my big sister. Um, she's won two Pulitzers. She won the Pulitzer from when we were in Ruined. Um, because I live in New York, I'm an actor. I was in Sweat, which also won the Pulitzer, but I had to drop out to do Color Purple. Torture every night. You have to do color purple instead of doing something that your is heart's gonna in. push. Well, not even my heart's in, but that's gonna push the agenda. So you know, entertainment is good. Entertainment mm-hmm. is great. I'm good at entertainment, but there's also a level where a bigger picture. You want to be. You know, they took sweat and went to Pennsylvania to Reading, Pennsylvania, and did it for them. Like those kinds of connections are very rare, and they're really beautiful. People want to be heard. That's really like the main thing. People want to be heard. And when they look at something, they want to know that what's happening on that stage or on that screen really reflects who they are and how they feel and the things that they can't bring themselves to say because they're not articulate enough. Now, you're not going to believe this, but I'm not on Broadway. Give me one. I know you. <laughs> I'm not either. I know you kept telling me you think I should be Thanks, an actor. Hamilton. I should be an actor with my looks and my. Uh, tell me one like a civilian person one thing about Broadway we don't know that would shock me. Um, it moves. What it do you mean? Really is a machine that works right more so than most corporate machines I've ever been in. That's a problem. You can't tell me how. Broadway you can't so be you corporate. can't be the construction crew and be late. You can't be in an IT crew and be late. You can't be on Broadway and be late. Regimental structure. You have to be present and doing it all the time. Oh. And so for most people, because we have screens in our house, they treat performances on Broadway like a movie. So they think they're in a movie. You can't not give them their movie. That's eight days a week. You got to be on every day. There's no off day. Every moment. There's no cut. Not every day, every moment. There's only seven days in the week. But it's no like, oh, I fucked up my line, go back. That's it. No, it's live. That's, and that's oh, part shit. of what is exciting because you, you, anything can happen in that moment, right? But um, I will say, even though I'm not a traditional musical person, I've found... A tribe of people that are part of my tribe. Okay. And more so, I have immense respect for the traditional musical people. That is a real culture. And not only do people love to be in it, people love to come see it. So it is a communion. And it's a real thing. And I think that that's very special. We don't have a lot of places for communion. Church isn't enough. No, okay. Courthouses aren't enough. No, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a, it's, it's a real communion when these things are taking place, whether it's, you know, whatever, whether it's Wicked or Chicago or Jersey Boys or Mormon or any of those kinds of things. It is prayer. That's a weird way to look at it. It's prayer. Whoosh. Yeah. All right, two more minutes of your time. All right. You did the plays, you yeah. did TV, feature films. That Do you want to be in movies? I do movies. Like, but do you want like the feature thing? Are you into the movie thing? What is your? I enjoy it. Um, yeah. 
as a musician, I'm used to working from front to back. As an actor in stage plays, I'm used to working from front to back. When I do film and television, you don't work front to back. You work in pieces that are completely out of order. I just finished um, doing Blacklist with James Spader, and all my scenes were with him. But I got to like, and uh, Andrew McCarthy was directing. Okay. And I got to like fire guns and do stunts. And those guys, they, when they talk to you, it's like masterclass. It's like master class. Sometimes I forgot to act and we had to cut because I forgot to act because I'm watching him. You're watching James Spader. This far away from me. This far watching him do his actual thing that I grew up watching. How cool was James Spader? The best. Do you know, I'm going to tell you something. It's funny. He's the best. He's one of the coolest. And Andrew McCarthy. Those two guys are the coolest. And then I had Lisa Ling directing me on, um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the season of Luke Cage. So to have actors talk to you as an actor is a very illuminating place in terms of looking at how what needs to happen as we call it on the day. I got to tell you some cool shit. So I just had uh, Omar from The Wire on. Michael K. Williams comes on Michael, the show. yeah. Good I know, dude. So, I, know, I know Mike. Oh, I know. Simmer and I hung out with Mike the whole time. That's Simmer's boy now. And my cousin is like... Tell Mike to call me because he's fucking around. No, you don't have a phone. So you lose your phone every five seconds. Oh, we call uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll FaceTime Mike in a second. Let's say, my cousin tells me, she goes, I want you to get one person on the podcast. Now, I think I can impress her with Rob O'Neill and all these dudes. She's like, I need James Spader. That's actually her number one person. Oh, yeah? All right, we're going to finish the podcast. With I'm going fi- to I'm gonna try to figure that out. Five quick questions. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I hanging out at a bar. Yeah. You want to impress the whole bar. Yeah. Coolest person in your phone that if you call them, they call you back. Well, I just lost my phone. Next who- question. No, no. Who was the coolest person? Um, uh, I used to call, I mean, shit. I used to call Bruce Hornsby for advice. Uh. You're, you're touching the sore spot. I mean, this is like so brand new. Like you lost the phone? Because <laughs> I, I just got a new I one know. two hours ago. Like I would have just I would have just scrolled through the goddamn phone and told you. Fate. But it or like Lynn Nottage or Tony Gerber, her husband, or I have a lot of like I have a lot of friends who are like super intellectuals who are not famous, who are actually like the actual cement of what we do. Favorite singer or performer of all time? Prince. Number one? Without question. I've modeled my whole thing about him. And I met him, too, a couple times. That was it for you? And and Stevie. Really? And I met him a few times, too. Okay. Yeah. Would there ever be an actor or actress that if you met them, you'd be in awe, tongue-tied? I kissed all of Earth, Wind & Fire's shoes. So that was your in awe moment? That was my... They came to my dressing room. I didn't didn't know when I realized who they were. I got on my knees and I kissed all their shoes. That's cool shit. What dish from Simba are you looking most forward to tonight? Or what African food do you miss the most? I miss my food from home. I want dere and some sadza and some nyama. Is Simba making that? I, he better be. Are you taking me to Zimbabwe with you? You can come. I've been dying to go. Hell yes. I'm trying to go to, what is it, Devil's Pool? Hey, we go. We can hit Devil's Pool. I'm, I'm being serious. But we can, like, also, I'm from, like, from the hood. I'm from Bari. So, like, we can hit all Would those I be okay spots, over there? too. Is your name Heavy over there? Don't, don't, don't embarrass me if I go out there. My name is Mambo. Mambo means king. My name is Heavy over there. All right, Simba, you're done. We got <laughs> Kevin Mambo. Thank you, my friend. Bonjour, Baba. Thank you.